three questions to, to answer. The first is, is the supply made through an EDP? Then the next one is, is the supply subject to EDP rules? Then finally, even if it's in, is there any exception that takes it out again? You are listening to Australia's Tax News Podcast, Tax Talks, the podcast for Australian tax professionals. Welcome to episode 207 of Tax Talks. This is Heide Robson and thank you to Class for sponsoring this episode. Today in this episode, we will finish our mini-series about the GST on imports. In episode 190, we discussed taxable importations and nothing has changed with respect to taxable importations. Any consignments coming into Australia with a value of more than $1,000 might be a taxable importation. But as you know, this concept has two huge chunks missing. It only applies to goods, and it only applies to goods over $1,000. And so in episode 194 and 197, we discussed how the rules around low-value good imports as well as Netflix tax plugged those gaps and widened our GST tax base in theory. But in practice, the collection of GST on low-value good imports as well as services and digital products like Netflix and the lot, in practice, the collection of GST on these is tedious with a high risk of non-compliance if it wasn't for electronic distribution platforms and short EDPs. The new EDP rules shift the heavy lifting from the small merchants using electronic distribution platforms to the EDPs themselves. Electronic distribution platforms usually set the trading terms, control the payment process, have the recipient details and are generally larger and better resourced than the small merchants scattered across the globe using these platforms. So the EDPs are in a much better position to comply and are more likely to comply with our GST rules than a small merchant somewhere outside of Australia would. And so to simplify administration and improve compliance, the EDP routes try to move liability for the GST from merchants to the EDP. Here's Simon Dorovich of ANA Tax Legal Consulting in Melbourne with the details. EDPs. So the fourth and final episode in our series of GST and, and imports. So in the first episode, we talked about taxable importations, and that only applies to importations of goods. It doesn't apply to services. It doesn't apply to digital, non-tangible products. It also doesn't apply where the goods, or at least it doesn't apply where the goods have a customs value of below $1,000, the, the low value threshold. And so that's why two different laws have been introduced in the last few years addressing those exclusions. The first was the Netflix tax, and that was the third episode of the series. We, we didn't do them in chronological order. And so the Netflix tax, which is, of course, the uh, you know, not the official name of the tax, that extends GST to supplies of services and 
digital products and services to Australian consumers. It also introduced the electronic distribution platform rules, which we'll talk about today. And those rules can apply not only to digital supplies, but also also goods as well. And then next came along the low-value goods amendments, and that extended GST to situations where goods were sold to Australian consumers that had a customs value of under $1,000. And so in the second episode of the series, we talked about you know, how those rules apply and particularly in cases where you know there's a mixture of some above and some below a thousand and you have that interaction between the taxable importation rules that tax goods at the border unless the deferred GST scheme applies to defer that payment date until the bass is lodged and the low value imported goods which treat those supplies, that are, you know that are subject to these new rules, not as a taxable importation, but as a taxable supply. So today, let's talk about the electronic distribution platform or EDP rules, and that the significance of those rules are not so much whether or not something a supply is subject to GST, but who is responsible for collecting and and remitting that GST and reporting it to the ATO. Ordinarily, it would be the merchant who's responsible, but if the EDP provisions apply, that responsibility can be shifted to the operator of the platform. And the rationale why these rules were introduced is by putting that burden on EDP platforms often larger businesses that have more resources to comply and are often the ones that have greater access to the information needed to comply. They're the ones that play an active role in in the payment and shipping and ordering and the, the whole process of buying the goods through the EDP is managed often quite closely by the the operator. So it was felt that it's best to put that burden on them. And from a compliance and collection point of view, because, you know, I know we talked a lot the previous two episodes of difficulties that the ATO may have in collecting the money and enforcing these rules, another factor could be that if you shift the burden from potentially hundreds or thousands of smaller merchants and shift them all to to a handful of larger EDP operators then you at least you know who to go after when uh, you know when the tax has hasn't been paid I think in going through the EDP rules I think there's three questions we can divide our talk today into three areas, three questions to, to answer. The first is, is the supply made through an EDP? So obviously we need to understand what an EDP is and you know it can go through the definition. Then the next one is, is the supply subject to EDP rules? Because it may not, even if it's made through the 
EDP platform, even if it's made through the EDP, it may not be subject to the rules. There may not be that shift in responsibility. And then finally, even if it's in, is there any exception that takes it out again? Question number one, is the supply made through an EDP? So the first question, is the supply made through an EDP? And an EDP is, it's a service including a website, internet portal, gateway store or marketplace, if, and then there are positive limbs and negative limbs. So the first positive limb is that this service, this website, this internet portal, gateway, etc., does it allow entities to make supplies available to end users? So if a buyer can make an offer to a merchant, you know, to purchase an item, you know, through this platform and the merchant can, you know, through the platform accept it and a deal is made, that's an electronic distribution platform. What wouldn't be an EDP would be something like if the service merely creates awareness of possible supplies, it's more akin to advertising or, or a business directory. So what comes to mind is there's a website called Booko that's quite it's a good, handy website. It You type in the book that you want to buy and it searches book depository, Dimmicks, and you know, all, all the different merchants that it has in its database. And then it spits out a, a list and says, this place sells it for this much money, including shipping, and this for, for that much money. And then you can go, well, I'll, I'll buy it from the cheapest place. You know, maybe their shipping terms are not as favourable. You might choose another one, but it doesn't matter. Whoever you choose, you click on that, and then you're directed to, say, the book depository website. So the book depository website may, in fact, be an EDP. But, but this book I wouldn't because all it's doing is essentially a business, like a directory that links to others. And another exclusion, just to be clear, the, because otherwise, you know, somebody may accidentally fall into the rules, the service that builds or maintains the infrastructure, the website, is not the one that allows the entity to make supplies available to end users. So, uh, so the website, the payment gateway. Yeah. So, so if Amazon, you know, though I, I would imagine that Amazon has their own in-house team, but let's say they go to a website builder and says, asks them, build us a website so we can sell goods to, uh, or so that we can allow merchants to sell goods to consumers. The business that makes the website is, is not the one that's allowing those supplies to be made, yeah, which is common sense, but I guess it just needed to be explained you know, in the ruling that talks about you know, what is an EDP. So that's the first positive limb. If that's satisfied, we move on to the next limb, and that's that the service must be delivered by means of electronic communications. You know, that's the, the E in the EDP. So obviously a website, uh, that's 
would be by far the most common example. But it can be an automated email. It could even be a, a pre-recorded telephone call, though I can't imagine that's too common these days. All of those things, they're delivered by electronic communication, so that's all right. You're allowed to have some human involvement. Like a chat box? Yeah, good example. Yeah, great. So if, if on the website something pops up and it says, you know, do you have any questions? And typically at first it's a computer that's answering your questions, though they, you know, pretend to be a, a human. But then if, you know, the computer's having trouble, you know, the AI isn't sophisticated enough to, to answer more difficult questions, they put you through to a, to a human being and the human, you know, answers your questions and uh, that you may have and then after that you decide I'm going to go ahead and place the order, that's still okay because the human involvement, it's incidental and it's optional. It's not a, an essential part of how the, the service is, is delivered. Then the third positive limb is that if we're talking about inbound intangible consumer supplies, the service must be delivered by means of electronic communication. And obviously that can't be a requirement for goods that are purchased through, you know, you can't, can't send a tennis racket to get that delivered over the internet. But, uh, yeah, something like order a movie from Big Pond Movies or, or a foreign version of that, then you know, they can't then send you the, that gets delivered over the, you know, over the internet directly to your computer or, or smart TV. And so that condition would be satisfied. So those are the three positive limbs. These uh, are the three positive limbs to ascertain whether this platform is actually an electronic distribution platform. Yes. And the positive limbs are, It needs to be a platform. It must not have human interaction, although a chat box is okay. And for intangible consumer supplies, the delivery must be through electronic communication. Yes, that's right. And, and the, I think, did you mention the first one that it needs to allow entities to make supplies available to end users? And that's really the core of the definition of what an EDP is. You know, it's something that allows... Buyers Other and entities, to meet. yeah, buyers and sellers to meet exactly online. Yeah. yeah, so the negative limbs are one: it can't be solely a carriage service. So that's things like an internet service provider, a pay telephone company, broadband. That's what my understanding is is of, of a carriage service. The second one is it can't solely be providing access to a payment system or processing payments. So there I think of PayPal. You know, they're not an EDP because really that's solely what they do is, is on the payment side of things, not you know, uh, on allowing others to buyers and sellers to meet, as, as you point out. Then the last one is to do with the supply of vouchers. Yeah, a uh, supply of vouchers is not a supply anyway. Yeah. A supply um, of vouchers is just a... A promise of a future discount or if you receive the voucher free of charge then it's just like the promise of a future discount no supply has taken place yet you know if you had a website that sold vouchers you know from different companies that the relevant supply 
you know, you can buy a, a JB Hi-Fi voucher or you can buy a Coles voucher or a Rebel Sport voucher. Or, the supply is by those companies, at least the relevant supply. Not the platform. It, not the platform. That's my speculation. I'm, I'm not... I've never, you know, looked closely at that. Yes, particular no, no, you're, you're, you're right. I take my comment yeah. out. But you're right in saying that with your comment, you know, that's relevant to the supply being made by means of electronic communication. If you consider an example where you buy tickets to a show or a theme park or, or something... You buy the tickets online and, you know, a PDF of your ticket is sent to you and, and you print it out and then, you know, when you get to the show or the gate or whatever, you, you can then, you know, scan your ticket. The supply in that case is not being made by means of electronic communication because, like you say, the supply is not the ticket yeah, which was delivered, you know, it was the PDF file is an electronic file. That was delivered electronically. But the ticket's not the supply. The supply is the performance or the, the theme park or, you know, whatever the case may be. Those are the three positive limbs and the two negative limbs answering the first question, whether the supply was made through an electronic distribution platform. That's right. Question number two, is the supply subject to the EDP rules? And then if it was made through an electronic distribution platform, we ask, is the supply subject to the EDP rules? That would shift responsibility. And there's three categories of supplies that are subject to the EDP rules. So the first category of supply is a supply that is an offshore supply of low-value goods. So the operator of an EDP platform will be responsible for GST where the supply is made through the EDP, the supply is an offshore supply of low-value goods. So, you know, this is what we discussed in, in the low-value goods episode, but briefly recap. Low-value goods, uh, you know, customer's value of less than 1000 brought to Australia with the involvement of the merchant, the EDP operator, or a re-deliverer. And the supply is not connected with Australia because the goods are sourced within Australia or the merchant is the importer. So if the consumer is the importer, but the merchant, the EDP operator, or the deliverer is involved with bringing the goods to Australia and the consumer is a consumer and they buy it through an EDP, then we're talking about an offshore supply of low-value goods. Yes, because if the goods are connected with Australia, then the usual GST rules apply. Then we don't need to go through the low-value good rules and the EDP rules. That's right. Then we're back into normal GST territory. Yes. Yeah, exactly right. So the second of, of the three types of supplies that are subject to the EDP rules, are an inbound intangible consumer supply. So that's what we covered in the, the Netflix tax episode that's made through the platform by means of electronic communication. So 
an inbound intangible consumer supply, to recap you know, what we talked about in the episode three, is a supply of anything other than goods or real property, where the recipient is an Australian consumer, where the thing supplied is not wholly done in Australia, and that the supply is not made wholly through an enterprise that the merchant carries on in Australia. Yes, because if the last two criteria apply, then we are back in normal GST territory again. Yes, yeah, that's right. There's a, a rule of thumb that the ATO mentions in, in the applicable ruling, and it says that if the EDP operator has information that says that the merchant has a business address in Australia, then it's reasonable for them to assume that the supply is not an inbound intangible consumer supply. But if the business address of the merchant is outside of Australia, then it's reasonable for them to assume that it is, with the exception being, you know, if they have information to the contrary, other than you know, the business address, if you, know, you can't apply those rules of thumb, but you know, if you don't have any information to the contrary, then that's a, a general approach that the EDP operator can, can take. Yes, and that makes sense. If the merchant that is selling the goods is based in Australia, then we basically just have a supply from Australia to Australia and we can leave the EDP platform outside of it. Mm. But if the merchant is based overseas, then, of course, we need the EDP platform to facilitate the collection of GST. Yes, yeah. And so the intangible, inbound intangible consumer supply needs to be made through electronic communication. And that's where discussion about the the show or the, the theme park, you know, comes in that what's important is to identify the real supply and ask, is that made electronically? Mm. Uh, it doesn't need to be made through the platform itself if a separate email was, was sent out not through the platform, that's still okay because email is a a form of electronic communication. But don't we just have two types of supplies that qualify for the EDP rules? We have the low-value goods and the seller and the buyer need to meet online through electronic communication. And then we have the inbound intangible consumer supplies where you also need electronic communication. So you need electronic communication every time to apply the EDP rules. Yes. And then it's just basically two types. It's either low-value goods or it's inbound intangible consumer supplies. There's a third category. Ah, that's still coming. Yes, the ah. third, third okay, category sorry. is now. That's right. That's where there's an agreement between the merchant and the EDP operator for the supply to be subject to the EDP rules. Disregarding anything else, the EDP just says we will treat everybody who has a business address um, outside of Australia and delivers to Australia, we will treat every supply as being subject to GST. We won't bother about which recipient has a GST registration and which recipient doesn't have a GST registration. Yeah, so that kind of agreement? Yeah, so an agreement can't be made in respect of goods, but it can. If we're talking about a a digital supply, the merchant may be making 
some supplies that are, you know, meet the conditions we just talked about and are subject to the EDP rules, and they may make others that don't meet those conditions, and they may decide, you know, this is a, a hassle for for us to work out which ones we're responsible for, which ones you're responsible for. Can we just agree with the EDP that the EDP is responsible for for all of them? You know, and the EDP operator might be quite happy to do that because that's part of the service that they're offering to, to the merchant and, you know, it encourages merchants to get on board and, and use their platform. So an agreement can be made where the supply is made by means of electronic communication, so that's it rules out, you know, low-value goods. The supply is made through the EDP. The supply is covered by a written agreement between the merchant and the EDP operator. So they have to agree in writing. Uh, And finally, the EDP operator has to be registered for GST. But you can't do it if the supply is GST-free or input taxed. And I think the reason behind that is if it's not GST-free or input taxed, then it's not a taxable supply and it doesn't make sense to shift the the burden of you know because there's no liability to shift but you know provided you know they both parties wanted and they agree and those other conditions are met then we're talking about digital supplies then they can just agree between them that everything is covered by the and that simplifies things so those are the three categories of supplies that are covered by the the EDP rules. That was the second question? Is the supply subject to the EDP rules? Yep. Question number three. Do any exceptions apply? And now the final question is, is the supply excluded from the EDP rules? So... For that to be allowed, there are there are a number of conditions that need to be met. And one of them is the opposite, really, of what we just discussed about how the merchant and the EDP operator can agree to expand the scope of the rules. The merchant and the EDP operator can also agree in writing to limit the scope of the rules and say, even though... You, you are an EDP and prima facie the, the supply is subject to the EDP rules, we agree that uh, you know, either merchant will remain responsible, not you, the EDP operator. That's the first thing. They, you know, if they don't agree, then there's not going to be any exclusion. But even if they do agree, other conditions need to be met. So it's not sufficient alone that they, that they agree. Uh, one of the other conditions is that the EDP operator does not authorise the charge to the recipient of the supply. So if the EDP operator, if it communicates the, the liability to pay to the customer or otherwise influences whether or at what time the customer pays for the supply, then it's considered to authorise the charge to the recipient of the supply and doesn't matter what the agreement is, you're, you're stuck in those rules. So there's an example that the, um, uh, when, when I say the ruling, I forget the exact 
number. There's a website called Tarot. Sally you know, uses that website to pay for something using you know, what the example calls PayDynamo. So Tarot connects Sally to PayDynamo's website and provides data to PayDynamo that allows PayDynamo to process the payment. So it's PayDynamo that's taking the payment on behalf of, so, of the merchant. So PayDynamo is a payment gateway like Stripe, like Square, like any other payment gateway. Yeah. The important part of this example is the ATO's view is because Tarot, the, the website operator, provided that information to PayDynamo, that's enough for them to, to authorise the charge. So the general idea behind these exclusions is where the EDP operator's role is really so minimal, they're so hands-off and you know, the agreement is made, then shouldn't be responsible for, for the GST because, you know, as we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, part of the rationale is because they're so closely involved in you know, the ordering you know, payment process, they're well placed to comply. If they're not, because they satisfy all these conditions, then mm. it's perhaps unfair to to get them to comply. In this case, they are considered closely connected enough because they've collected the information from Sally and passed it on to PayDynamo. Okay. That involvement was sufficient so to authorise the charge. I see. Okay, but then Tara receives the money from PayDynamo and sends it back to the merchant. Hence, Tara gets their hands onto the money at some stage and then can withhold the GST. Because they can only yeah, withhold the GST when the yeah, money at some stage is in the There hands. must be some stage of the process that Tara receives at least the GST portion because otherwise they're out of pocket. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Next requirement is that the EDP operator does not authorise delivery of the supply. So if the EDP operator sends approval to commence delivery, authorised delivery, delivers the item itself, instructs the merchant or a third party to make delivery, that's sufficient. So, so an example that they give of when an EDP operator does not authorise delivery is yeah, th there's a website that a merchant sells art supplies through, a consumer you know, finds that merchant through the website, contacts them through the website's messaging service, but then all arrangements for the, the delivery of the goods are made directly with the merchant, you know, albeit that you know, the form of communication was, you know, they were introduced via the website, but it's the merchant that is completely responsible for arranging delivery and the EDP operator, you know, plays no role at all. So in that case, the EDP satisfied that, that condition. Then another condition is the EDP operator does not set, whether directly or indirectly, any of the terms and conditions under which the supply is made. So terms and conditions, you know, can be price and uh, you know, quantity, quality of the items, any rights and obligations of the merchant or the recipient. You know, it's quite a, quite a wide, wide concept. And the EDP operator just needs to set any of those, those terms. So an example of when they don't set any of those terms 
would be, and this is again, you know, taken from the ATO, it says Sago operates in, AD, in EDP. However, the only requirement it places on merchants and buyers using its website are that certain goods, such as firearms, cannot be listed for sale and that listings cannot contain offensive language. So other than that, you can have any terms and conditions you like if you're, you're a merchant. We're not going to impose anything more than those you know, two very you know, limited restrictions. And that's okay. They can not be responsible for the GST. But as soon, as soon as they start to have rules like, you know, if the customer has a complaint, you need to deal with it through our complaint process, or if another supplier has a lower price, you must agree to, to match that price, or if there's a requirement that payment isn't forwarded on to the merchant until the consumer confirms that that they're happy and satisfied with the product. If there are particular shipping methods or, you know, that you say, you know, you have to do it through one of these methods, but you say that these other methods are not allowed, all those are different examples of, you know, terms and conditions and policies that the EDP operator is influencing and putting restrictions on, and that would mean that they are subject to the, these rules. They don't qualify one of, for the, one of these exclusions. And the last condition is that a document relating to the supply issued to the recipient identifies the supply and the merchant as the supplier of that supply. So yeah, the invoice, basically, the invoice identifies, identifies the merchant that's right. It can be displayed on screen, but the consumer needs to be told that in writing that it's the merchant who is the supplier, not the EDP operator. And that's it. So if all those conditions are met, you know, including the, the merchant and EDP operator agreeing in writing, and you know, those other conditions that show how hands-off the EDP operator was, then notwithstanding that it that they are an EDP and that it is a supply that's subject to the EDP rules, the merchant will still be responsible for the GST. And all five conditions must be met? Yes. Okay. And so the five conditions are, one, merchant and EDP need to agree in writing to limit the application of the EDP rules. Two, the EDP operator does not authorize the charge. Three, the EDP operator does not authorize delivery. Four, the EDP operator does not set any of the terms and conditions for the supply. And five, the invoice identifies the merchant as the supplier. Yep. If those five conditions are met, then it is possible to not apply the EDP rules. Yes, that's right. So these are the three questions yes. you need to ask when you want to assess whether the electronic distribution platform's rules apply. Is the supply made through an EDP? Is the supply subject to the EDP rules? And the third question is, are there any exceptions? Yep. Have you already done much work with the EDP rules? Have you already had many clients? Has it already come up? Just the one where actually they've put, we've put in a private ruling application 
to determine if they are an EDP. They want to be an EDP because, you know, their business model, you know, what their offering is, you know, they want it to include taking care of GST on behalf of merchants. Are they based in Australia or overseas? No, overseas. It's an Irish-based company. When these rules were written, you know, it says a service, you know, a service is a pretty broad term in brackets, including a website. You know, so it's our argument is don't focus on the including part. They're simply helpful examples. But the ATO's initial view, you know, they're more thinking, well, who did we intend to capture by these rules? And it was more marketplaces, you know, the Etsy's uh, you know, of, of the world. They didn't really have someone like our client in mind when drafting it. Our argument is doesn't really matter who you had in mind. What matters is the you know, wording of the legislation. And two, even from a policy perspective, you could say they shouldn't be included because it wasn't who we had in mind. We disagree from a policy perspective you should be defining EDP as broadly as you possibly can because our client will help you collect GST. So we'll see. It's ongoing. Welcome back. So to work out whether the EDP rules apply, you need to ask and answer three questions. One. Is the supply made through an EDP? Is the platform even an EDP? Two, is the supply subject to the EDP rules? And three, if yes, are there no exceptions? If you can answer all three questions with yes, then the EDP operator is responsible for the collection of GST for this supply. But not only that, but also a supply that wouldn't be a taxable supply on its own might become a taxable supply when coming through an EDP. In the next episode, episode 208, Scott Branson of Depreciator will talk about SMSF depreciation. Until then, thank you for listening and thank you to Class for their support. Bye for now and see you in the next episode. <music>